one and all, and welcome to the 13th of April of 2022. It is weekly manga recap time here on Wednesday night. I am Nick. This is Rolo T, and we have pages upon pages of material to discuss for you today, filled with cartoonish-looking characters and word balloons that tend to be filled with a font. Is it Comic Sans? I can't remember what font. There's, diff- there's, different, the there's different fonts on. that get used in various mangas. Some will share them. Um, I forget. They're not. None of them are Comic Sans. They're different ones, but... We'll have to discuss this with, with people who know more lettering than we do. Yeah. Which is a number of people. Yeah, we actually have quite a few letters. Yeah. We're no, we we're 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 with yes, it. Yes, it's nice, isn't it? <laughs> we we know people. That's that's how uh, that's how fashionability and uh, coolness is measured these days. It is how many people have a specific profession that you happen to know at any given time. So you know, instead of trends passing, it's like oh yeah, oh yeah, you know, today is like it's, it, letters are in, and tomorrow it'll mm. be like translators. Uh, and translators and then it'll get into stuff that's just like completely outside of our wheelhouse you know like how many cobblers do you know oh, oh none God, i don't know <laughs> a single cobbler so. if my shoes get fucked up i don't know what to do i don't know a single cobbler it's gonna be difficult for a lot of people because you know cobblers are kind of a trade that's kind of been passed by by you know so you say that gears of an post-economic i don't know post-capitalist society and or industrialization and stuff these are terms that i know but i don't know how to use uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i think oops uh, i think that for most of this uh we don't need to worry about cobblers quite yet uh my shoes are still holding together how about yours nick i actually do need new shoes come to think of it Oh, so no, <laughs> got to know a cobbler. It was foretold. I wonder if that's what's going on. Okay. I can't figure out what my browser's trying to download. Okay, <laughs> so everyone, we have manga to discuss with you guys today. Uh, so I hope you're looking forward to that. Um, we will have the gray man soon, but not today. Uh, and when we do. Yeah, I think that'll be most of the discussion. Actually, is uh, we'll just discuss how to actually how to actually pronounce actually, it it's because to be, honestly, it's supposed to be D cross gray cross man. <laughs> you pronounce everything like a cross, right? It doesn't really give you a lot of uh, clues. I'll give you that <laughs> So we're gonna kick things off with My Hero Academia for this week. It's chapter number 350, Bound to a Fiery Fate, which is, it's it's a title, certainly. Yes. Um, I did not expect that we would pick things up in the way that we do in this chapter, because it's this, this girl cop. The one that we've seen, we saw discussing things, you know, with uh, Whittle way back in the day. I think he tends to kind of be the go-to regular cop that we see whenever the police get involved in things. Hey, real quick, do you uh, want to try turning and... your camera off and just go audio? 
turning it off. Yeah, okay. just the camera. Do, 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 do. Should, should I turn it off in... Uh, um, no. Turn video off. Okay, what if I do that? Okay, well, let's try it like that. Boop, 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 boop. There we go. Go ahead. Okay, we will try. Okay, so... <sighs> the Gorilla Cop uh, is uh, in the police station and... It took me a while to figure out who this was that he ends up having a conversation with, but it, uh, who is just thrown into a cell, and uh, there's a little slot in the door that you can kind of see, is, you know, you can see through and stuff. And uh, he's like, let me give you some backstory. You see, <laughs> you, you, you thought that it was coincidence that, that, that Toya ended up joining the League of Villains and joining up with, with, with Shigaraki and everyone. But we know about him. Because, you know, All for One knows everything. Everything's for his genius plan. He, he's, not, he's got so many ideas, let me tell you. He's and yeah, so smart and cool. Dobby was one guys. of those ideas, kind of. <laughs> so, we get a flashback to explain that immediately after the incident on Sekoto Peak, where Toya unleashed all of his flames and was on the verge of killing himself from overwhelming himself, his own body with his fire. Uh, in his close to last moments, all he thought was, damn it, I, I still haven't shown him anything. He still was just obsessed with proving himself to Endeavor after being discarded. Uh, but he survived and was left uh, covered in burns, which makes sense. And all for one showed up and recovered him. And Toyo was taken to a place that was made up to look like a children's hospital basically and hey you remember those like flashback scenes to like you know Eleven's backstory in 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 uh Stranger Things oh yeah that one that series that's very famous (laughs) (laughs) fine it's probably the most famous series of the past like (laughs) decade but whatever go ahead it's fine. You don't have to remember the details about it. So it's like it's it got, gives off a lot of those vibes. Special kids in a you know children's hospital, kind of. Yeah. It's nefarious. Evil children's hospital. It's it's a it's a like staple in like villain culture. Mm. And uh, so there's such a weird note here. So so Toya. Uh, is me like, oh my god, I'm alive. Oh, wait, I've got to get back home. Uh, and also, he realized, he realized his voice is messed up, which makes sense because you know he was surrounded by fire and smoke. And this also is just an additional detail to explain, like, oh, okay, I guess this was would also explain why nobody recognized him by voice when he emerged as Dobby. Which that and also, like, your voice changes a lot during adolescence, but whatever. It's an extra thing there. Yeah. Apparently, also, he was asleep for three years. Okay. That's a rough time. I don't know exactly why three years, but okay. You got to age him up. Like, he had to be, like, older, more capable. He had to be able to drive a car. Because, like, otherwise, everyone would be like, how did Dobby get here? He can't drive a car yet. He's not old enough. He, this, this doesn't make sense. But now, no matter where Dobby is, you're like, well, he could have driven a car to get there. 
That's right. That's how that's how being asleep for three years works. It lets you drive because you wake up. Yep. You can legally drive a car now. So dead. So usually they don't give dead people license. Except oh, in Transylvania, oh, a, where that is the majority of the population are dead people. So dead people have a lot of more rights there and they, they're allowed to drive cars. Yeah, very, very progressive is Transylvania. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. in, in pro rights for the dead. Uh, it's a little bit backwards when it comes to the please don't suck my blood uh, laws of the area. That area is <laughs> still use some improvement. So nowhere is perfect, but um, they're definitely working towards the right direction. Yeah, it's nice to see them taking uh, you know, strong steps. You know, day uh-huh. uh, was that a, a zombie couldn't get uh, a worker's permit anywhere. And uh, now, wow, they're just you know, they're really flourishing. Yeah. yeah. New world. Yeah. So this flower guy stops Toya from go- from leaving. Why does he have a mustache? It's, it's such a bad mustache. He looks creepy. Um, and he basically tries to be like, you wouldn't want to leave. It's fun here. Yay. Um, and Toya says, like, oh, I got to go home. I bet my dad just, you know, was too busy with work to come see me, right? He's probably really worried about me, and I need to go and apologize to him and to mom for, you know, setting everything on fire. It is me, all for one. I'm watching you on the TV screen that I guess I just watch all the time. I, Oh, man, my plan yeah. is so great. <laughs> He's got a hundred plans, seven of which involve watching television at all time. I mean, that's just because he got the good cable package, though. Ah, yeah. yeah he, look, I mean, he, I, he bought I paid all for those, this. <laughs> he bought all these monitors. He's going to get the use out of them. He's actually issuing this same speech to six different uh, two-way video calls that he's watching right now. Uh, the other five, it makes no sense whatsoever. Everything that he's saying, but you know, that's just you know, just what happens when you multitask like this. Yeah. Uh, everyone tells him your hope is in vain. Restoring your burnt and broken body was a monumental task. Your missing pieces had to be replaced via regenerative tissue. You're a changed man with that burned rictus look on your face. And yet you survived. All right. Um, you want to, you want to like pick a thread and then like finish it before moving on to the next one. Like it doesn't make you sound particularly intelligent and like you're planning everything out. If you're just kind of, you know, uh, and that reminds me of a different thing. Uh, and that makes me think of something else. And uh, here's a different point. He's like, I've lost any and all patience for all for one. So <laughs> when I read this chapter initially, I kind of ignored it. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, cool. More, more backstory for, for Toya. And then as I was getting ready for us to talk about this again, I just kind of reminded myself of what happened and I was like, God damn it, I fucking hate all for one playing everything. <laughs> On top of this, all for one says, you'll never exhibit the power you once did. Every organ was damaged, your senses, your ability to feel pain all dulled. Your body is debilitated and you'll never be the same again. And then he says, we wanted to welcome you in at your full strength, but despite our best efforts, we failed. Okay. So. 
I I'm confused. Are was Toya supposed to be stronger than than Shoto or not? Because it seems like this kind of contradicts the idea that his flames are more powerful than even Endeavor's were. I'm not entirely certain. I mean, it seems like a large part of it is his his flames are hotter because he's just killing himself to use it to like be at that heat all the time. Um, and obviously, like the way they're kind of framing this is that like, oh, we wanted you at full strength, but it like shows like we failed and that shot of him with his dad. So I can't tell if all for one is trying to like mislead him. Essentially, right. to be like, oh, but we failed. We couldn't get you at your... Like, to try to, like, I guess, nag him into this. Which yeah. is kind of weird, because he fails. Like, <laughs> Toya's Immediately. just like, fuck this. <laughs> and then leaves. And then eventually comes back, and it's like, I don't know, this is a means to a goal. So it's just like... It doesn't make All for One's plan look very good, because he's just like, yes, all according to Kikaku. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, man, phew, I am glad that guy came back. Let's analyze very briefly All for One's track record. So he tried to keep uh, his younger brother under his control and uh, it blew up in his face and he created his own greatest arch nemesis. Uh, He tried to put Aoyama and his family under his control and that just led into him walking into a trap. He tried to put Toya under his control and immediately Toya burned up the facility that he was staying in and killed all of the other uh, kids that he was also raising to potentially be his replacement. And he's currently inhabiting Shigaraki's body and Shigaraki is still trying to resist him. So is all for one actually good at getting anyone to do anything? (laughs) Uh, the quick answer... Gigantomachia follows him. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> that is true. I, I would say no. He is He's generally pretty bad at his job, but he goes in with enough swagger that you're like, I, you know what? I think this guy actually knows what he's doing. Is All for One a crypto bro? <laughs> Almost certainly. Why wouldn't he be? <laughs> it's like, you don't understand. This monkey is on the blockchain. It can never be taken. Hey, someone, I clicked a link and someone took all my apes. <laughs> <laughs> Dobby, and if you invest in me, and if you invest in my in what I have to offer you, you will make billions of dollars. Will you join me? What? Where are you going? Where, no, no, I really need you to do this. Come on. But the future, the future of currency. Come on. It's better than money. Come on. Come on. Please, please. <laughs> it's please. on the blockchain. Did you hear? It's better than a quirk. It's like a billion quirks in one, the blockchain. <laughs> oh, man. That's like what, what All for One eventually goes into when his plans for world conquest don't work out is that he just, you know, makes a bunch of really, really, really shitty quirks and tries to get those. Oh, yeah. You know, all these quirks will be worth so much more in the future, you know, as quirks get stronger. But, you know, th- these really shitty ones, you're going to want these. Yeah. Invest in them. <laughs> anyway, like I said, Toya burned down the building with all the kids. He set fire to it all, man. He's just like, I'm out. <laughs> this place sucks. You blow. Ujiko says that because of his upbringing, he couldn't be led astray. He'd already been too defined by, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, all for one miscalculated. Big surprise. Uh, and 
<laughs> Ujigo says, even the man who had known absolute control far and wide couldn't exploit the boy's obsession with it. Yeah, even all for one couldn't do anything about it. It's oh, amazing. Um, so the gorilla cop says, what are you even trying to say? More crap about how all for one had everything planned out from the start. <laughs> I mean, if you kind of put it like that. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Uh, but Ujiga says, I'm saying they'd better watch out because that one boy never did buy what we were selling. We gave up on Dobby and let him run loose because after his body came back to life and he was up and about, he wasn't supposed to live for more than a month. What a surprise when the broker brought him back to our doorstep. Why had he come back? How was he still alive? And Dobby just says to Ujiko, at some point, it's when he, I guess, is going to see one of the high end Nomu. So it can't be, it must be like, I guess, shortly after they first met Ujiko. He says, You're the one who kept me alive, right? Uh, but Ujiko says, Yeah, I guess I saved you back then, I think he says. But then he says, Tell me what's been keeping you kicking. And Toya looks at the high-end Nomu, and he's like, Ah, this is what you were planning to do to me, wasn't it? Cool. Now I'm back, because this seemed like the perfect place for my funeral. And Ujiko says, Oh, and that one glimpse told me everything. He'd kept his dying body tethered to this world through a pure, blazing grudge. And as a scientist, I believe that this is exactly what happened. It's science. Toya, in the present, says to Shoto, I actually did come home, even though I was weaker than ever. And there was no way that, that, that what I was hoping for was there. I was sure something must have changed. It's all I wanted to see. But instead, I was shown once more. After three years away, I witnessed that old familiar scene. And the scene that he comes across when he comes to go and see his family is one of the, no doubt, multiple times that Endeavor was physically abusing Shoto in quote-unquote training to make him stronger. Mm. And Dobby says, the reason I was born, the fact is, as a failed creation, my life had been pointless. This family had left me behind in their past. When you surpass your limits, it's like everything you've built up is flipped around upside down. So I focused on honing my flames so I wouldn't be so weak when we next met. This body of mine kept peeling away and falling to pieces, but I never felt a thing. Uh, and then he says, also, I know your signature moves, too, <laughs> <laughs> because this is a shonen battle series. So that's important, too. And we get some cool visuals where, like, apparently he snuck into the Todoroki house so that he could pray in front of his own uh memorial photo which is creepy and cool uh because he says ever since the day that toya died and dobby was born heat energy born of living things as they move and thrive all for one who seeks to live forever had no use for that mad heat rushing headlong toward death the demon lord himself had to abandon that frenzied flame of death and i will say the fuck everything else about this chapter Dobby, with most of his face burning away, covered in his own fire, 
perched on top of the statue of R for one and melting through it because his flames are so hot as he unleashes flash fire heat fist. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> it is a pretty fucking awesome visual. And he declares that once I've burned away all that that thing holds near and dear, that'll be the mark I've left on this world. Yeah, uh, that's it's a cool chapter. I It's a weird chapter, though, in that I honestly kind of struggle to wonder. It feels very superfluous, I guess. Like, in my mind, I look at it and I'm like, I'm not angry we got extra context in Dobby. I don't really feel like I learned anything new. Um, I kind of already got the impression like, oh, Dobby's power is so strong because he's literally burning himself to death. Uh, and I just didn't need more details than that. So, um, I don't know. It's just kind of a chapter that's there and is cool. I think Dobby looks cool in it, but didn't feel like it needed to be there either in my mind. I am in two minds about it. Uh, I am kind of leaning towards where you are, but at the same time, I guess just based on the principle of the matter, I'm glad that we are getting more focus on building up Dobby as an important villain in this, you know, multi-front com- conflict that's going on. Uh-huh. Uh, it, uh, it's not as, you know, like creepy as Toga's, but I guess it's, easier to wrap your head around what's going on. So even if it is just kind of reiterating a bunch of the same points, I do like the point that it eventually makes, which is Dobby is just this uncontrollable force. Yeah. So this, this is, yeah. I think a very, um, it is cool to build Dobby up and we are kind of, as you said, getting like these snapshots of like the other major forces in this war. Hmm. Let's talk about Undead Unluck, I think. Let's not. Let's go right to Eden Zero, Nick. Uh, no, let's All right. talk about Undead Unluck number 106. Human rules are always. So we open uh, actually kind of vaguely where, like, before last chapter ended off. Yes. Uh, because this is prior to Andy escaping. And Ruin is basically just saying, you know, unlike you and your kind, the Gators are a group of oppressed beings. And... You know, uh, Seal's just like, shut up, I don't like you. (laughs) And Seal's like, well, you handle things your way and I'll do the same. You see, I've got something I need to do for a friend. I need to prepare a nice big feast for him. And he should be wrapping up a job now, so he'll be back at any moment. And we see Lucy's mom is among a group of people who are kind of just standing there, smiling, these sort of like Rictus's grins. Um and seemingly not in complete control of themselves. It's Uh, very creepy. Yes. Yes. So Ruin just says, okay, everyone, this is an order. Wrap your hands around your own necks, and and then this is when Andy and Lucy pop on out of uh, Ruin, and Andy's like, yar! (laughs) Uh, Seal just says, impossible, I sealed you up. And Andy says, yeah, physically at least, I found you, Ruin, and fly straight through him. And Ruin's just like, well, that's not going to work. You're just a soul, an astral body. And Andy's like, huh, didn't think this through first. And then immediately Seal slams him down and is prepared to seal him again. And uh, Ruin just kind of notes, like, good job figuring that out so quickly. Like, you figured out how to touch it, like an astral form really Cool, fast. you touched a ghost. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, even Ruin's kind of like, honestly, I thought I'd have problems too. You're you're really good at this. And Seal's like, don't belittle me. My seal is a rule befitting a future king. It's perfect. If that rule has been broken, it means that there is something clearly afoot that has escaped my motives. Otherwise, something like this would never occur. And uh, Andy just kind of interrupts to be like, hey, Fuko and Ghost, where are they, Ruin? And Ruin's like, Fuko this, Fuko that. You really do have a one-track mind. They're gone at the moment. Out, I should say, to be more precise. Both Unluck and Ghost. And he's like, where'd they go? And it's like, well, to go make some friends. And we cut over to Nico in the lab at Union, where we can see Fuko is kind of stuck inside a cage inside a ghost. And Nico is confronted by a ghost of a woman who just says, Nico, and he looks horrified. He's at the very least shocked, definitely. So... Yes. Uh, as noted before, uh, the growing theory is that Nico is unforget or unforgettable. Um, so unforgettable. Yeah. So I'll be very curious. Also, uh, I like her design where she put on a tie, yeah. stuck it between her boobs. Right. And then put a shirt on over top over of that. It. Yeah. Yes. Right. It's, so top tier design. You know, the, the, the purpose of the collar is to go completely around the tie. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a good point. Um, meanwhile, Lucy's like, oh, hey, it's my mom. We could save my mom here, right? Because it's my mom. She's right here. My mom. Look at her. My mom. And it's Look like, at her smiling just as naturally as she always does. Oh, you always had that big, terrifying grin, mom. <laughs> this is my mom. <laughs> We can save her, right? <laughs> um, Ruin just says, Hey, Blood, weren't you supposed to have captured everyone here? And we see uh, the creature that's been teleporting Ruin everywhere around. It's like, quit complaining. You know, my, you know, I used to say my juniors can't do everything. So Ruin turns to Lucy. He's like, hey, why do you want to rescue that person? She's like, because she's my mom. And Ruin's like, you came all the way here just because she's your parent? She's like, yeah. It's my mom. She's the only one I've got. And Ruin's like, there's only one of any given person. You know, he makes a good point. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not an <laughs> awful point in his viewpoint. And she's like, no, that moms are special. Don't you get that? He's like, no, I don't. Parents, lovers, companions, siblings. The rules humans create are always so unclear, unfair, unequal, unintelligible, and unsettling once your mom goes away you too will understand this you too will understand this <laughs> that's right the skip. opposite of durstand <laughs> yeah. you can negate durstanding that <laughs> uh, <laughs> tickles me so much uh lucy just cries don't you have a mom and dad too please stop this and uh, Ruin just says, nope, what he gave birth to me is God. And he swings his claws. There is a spatter of blood. Lucy grimaces. And Andy just says, what? And then we go to the next page. And Ruin's arm has been sliced off. And someone says, how sad. You have no one, huh? So there is not a solitary soul you would risk your life to protect. And Nick... It's Rip! He showed up and saved everyone! Yes, he did. And he says, 
that's a shame, because I have two. And that's how the chapter ends. See, this is how you're supposed to wear a tie, around the collar. <laughs> I want him to put it between his tits. <laughs> ah, it's only fair. I want him to tuck it in there. Yeah, it's uh, it's a nice fast-paced chapter. Uh, I've it's it's. I'm honestly, I have to say, I'm impressed by how quickly we've kind of grown attached to Lucy um, as this, you know, new kind of sidekick character. Um, even though it's kind of like if we had, you know, the main heroine who is just not there. Uh, and all of the development were stripped away from her. It's like, yeah, but she's still likable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do appreciate that, you know, she's got that very, you know, straightforward approach of like, like no, like I, I, I got to protect my mom because she's my mom. And then there's just this asshole over here. just like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make sense. Human rules are arbitrary. Like, yeah. Yeah, but fuck you. <laughs> I love several parts of this chapter. I really, really, I don't know. I love the the tease to Nico, like, hey, we're about to get something big with him. We're about to delve into this character at some point. I know you guys thought we were going to do something when we made, like, oh, Nico versus Tella, and then we never cut to that fight whatsoever. Right. We're going to do something with Nico, I swear. Um, I like Ruin's speech. I really do like him saying, like, these human rules are so unclear, unfair. Like, him just rattling those things off. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know why. This is a good speech. And I was really fucking hyped for Rip showing back up and saving everybody. And you're like, oh, wait, Rip is a great person to fight Ruin because he, he stops people from healing, which is what Ruin can apparently do. Mm -hmm. So it was a really, really satisfying chapter for me. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yes. Uh, do we do Eden Zero now? Yeah, let's talk about Eden Zero, Nick. This is Eden Zero, Chapter 187, Shiki versus Wizard. So, last chapter, the four dark stars were facing off against our four heroes, and Shiki was trapped in sort of this weird simulacrum version of Grand Bell Kingdom with all of his old friends, and he punched Witch, who wasn't actually Witch, it was Wizard in disguise, and... <laughs> I don't know why Wizard says... Uh, if only I had a nickel for every time that's happened to me. <laughs> Wizard says, I won't fool you because you have a heart. No, that is not the case. You took a swing at Witch, something impossible for you two years ago. That heart... Three years ago. This heart of yours is bending. Bending towards darkness because you punched a oh fake version god. of your oh mom. Oh my god. Oh my god. This... This entire four-on-four four fight has just been semantics arguments so far. It's so stupid. Don't worry. We're going to keep going. So he casts lightning, and immediately Shiki's like, Thunder Eater, you have the same power as Witch? And he says, the power I wield is magic. And he uses ice magic. And he says, we four dark stars in the next generation of shining stars and their respective counterparts. Hermit the mind, matched by the brain killer and you're like those two no, are doing too those similar aren't, those aren't <laughs> those aren't opposites <laughs> like i guess uh, that one doesn't really anyway sister the life corresponds with clown the death all right i'll give you that one yeah sure, that sure. one great dichotomy the idea that he created new dark stars as dark versions of these things uh valkyrie the sword matched by the armor brigadine like Again, I sort of see it. You kind of fucked yourself by having someone be referred to as the shield of Eden's already. Shut up. We're the opposites of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so the shield and the opposite. Wizards, the spear of Edens. My spear is a galactic polearm that can shatter any shield. Any Hold on, I thought you were. I thought you had. I thought you were a wizard. Uh, <laughs> I'm a spear wizard. It's a class somewhere, <laughs> I'm sure. And this is this sequence is maybe my favorite of anything that happens this week. So wizard shoots a bunch of lightning at Shiki, and Shiki catches it. And wizard goes, "You caught your magic in my bare hands." And then Shiki turns it and hold, like throws it. And he's like, no, you must be holding it with your gravity. And then he tosses it. He's like, oh, no, you've compressed it. And I like the idea he's just narrating this entire fucking fight to himself. <laughs> he's like, now you're kicking me in the tits. Ouch, ouch, it hurts. Now, now you're putting me in a noogie. Oh. <laughs> oh, your knuckles sticking into my scalp. That's very painful. I don't like that. Now you keep shoving my face into a toilet. <laughs> into a toilet again. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, there's this weird gimmick where wizard doesn't open his eyes and you would assume that he's blind and has some kind of like sixth sense um, but as we find out by the end of the chapter that is not the case so I don't really know what's going on at this point um, Shiki uh, he can see so long as he narrates everything that's happening yeah, obviously that's, that's his daredevil sense he has to tell the audience what's happening Uh <laughs> Shiki goes and punches him, and he's like, ouch. And then, hey, he gets surrounded by a bunch of uh, glyphs, and then gets hit with a big fire attack. And Wizard's just like, your gravity doesn't hold a candle to Lord Ziggy's. And Shiki activates overdrive and smothers the flames. And Wizard's like, why does he look like that? Overdrive? That contradicts our data. Has he altered himself in three years? I'm like, my bro, you are in a shonen manga. Three years past, you have to assume the lead character's gotten a couple (laughs) power-ups. Also, I don't quite understand how Ziggy's future scene works, because if he saw the future, Shiki went into overdrive before... The, the branching timeline part happened so he should right. have known that he had whatever it's not right really that important but uh yeah it's a wonder like if it's like if he's he like wait a minute he's developed and is stronger after three years like yes <laughs> but you think he's just shocked by everything like he sees he looks at Shiki's like wait a minute you're not wearing a bandaid on your cheek anymore that contradicts our data on you <laughs> he doesn't actually know it's him he's like after i kill you you'll give up where shiki is You're like i am shiki like, no shiki has a band-aid right here you can't possibly be him all you've got there is a very obvious scar that could be easily covered by a band-aid <laughs> <laughs> you you're slightly more mature than him we can't possibly have assumed you would have matured in you look years. like you're about three years older than shiki <laughs> tell us where shiki is <laughs> Uh, Shiki channels all of his power, does a big attack. Wizard blocks it and then absorbs all of his energy, saying that yeah. he has drain ether, magic that siphons away the ether of my opponent. The more powerful the ether unleashed upon me, the more powerful the ether I absorb. And we can see Wizard's eyes are now open. He says, this is the end, Shiki. Battle dress, we quip. And he has a very unremarkable form changed he says yeah. a human can never hope to defeat a machine look at me a machine who switched to a different costume can you a human do that <laughs> you know, like change clothes yeah it's like kind of like a fundamental thing we do every day huh? this contradicts all of our data <laughs> <laughs> they, they never updated their data <laughs> the, 
there's just some computer in a room that's way that's never been shut down and is has like 400 updates waiting that they're just like <laughs> someone restart that computer like holy shit how did many you guys, how many did you guys know that there? humans have 10 fingers <laughs> They've never updated their information since, like, the 1400s. <laughs> They're just like, oh, my God. What the hell's a credit score? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> um, So, Shigi starts pulling, using his gravity unintentionally. The memories, they're falling into my mind. He is pulling the memories in from wizard as we saw him do yeah. earlier with dragon joe Straight. it was it was it was like a really big deal the first time that cheeky did it but i guess it's just like oh well i've been finding this guy for one chapter better experience his backstory yeah. <laughs> so we get the uh, line you're like like a wizard and we can see witch and wizard and they're like yeah the magician of the courtroom and wizard says if i'm a wizard then you must be a witch a steel sorceress with ironclad logic and it is the dumbest assortment of dialogue I've read in quite some time. And she says, ugh, that makes me sound so stiff and rigid. And Wait a minute. That wasn't a good pickup line. This contradicts all of my data. <laughs> I will channel now 500 uh, gigabytes worth of pickup artist logic and tweets to see if this works. He just like stares at her, concentrating, and you just hear. <laughs> he says. He just opens his eyes and he's like, I believe I'm supposed to neg you and lie to you. I believe I'm supposed to gaslight you until you date me. I am a Sigma, no, Omega male. God. And there we go. That's the end of the chapter. He's like, holy shit, wait, you knew which? Which, this Whatever. is a very interesting scenario here. Um, because... This seems to imply that these robots aren't robots. They're androids or cyborgs of some fashion, um, which really begs the question, what are robots in this universe? Like, do all are all the humanoid robots like humans at one point? I don't know about that. I mean, we have already seen uh, from Hermit's past and from Valkyrie's uh, past that they lived very, you know, just like sentient creature lives and just did whatever when they were away from the Eden Zero. So this could be, you know, what Witch was getting up to in the in-between period uh, between... The idea. <laughs> Dude's like galactic space angels were just like yeah fuck it i'm gonna practice law for a couple like a couple decades or whatever right uh but you know like like i guess you know valkyrie decided to you know hang out somewhere and raise a kid so yeah maybe they were just like yeah i'm just gonna work on me for a while all yeah. in, in their own different ways and she was like yeah i'm gonna go and finish up my degree that i started when i was you know in beta testing <laughs> Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, we always just kind of got an image of which from just like, you know, her function really on the ship basically. So to see more about her could potentially be interesting, honestly. Um, but not a great, you know, first couple of chapters on these four dark stars guys. They're just, and again, 
they have to follow up on two of them just getting completely clowned out by a guy that then went on to immediately get clowned out by a guy who went on to get clowned out. So they've got some ground to make up already, and this is not doing them any favors in doing so. We shall see. It was honestly, I don't think, a bad chapter per se. Just a chapter with a lot of stuff that's like kind of doofy in it. So you just like, I don't know, got to get the jokes in. Yep. All right. <clears throat> Let's move on to Akane Banashi, story nine, after the delight. So we see that Akane has gotten a feel for her audience now. And so now she can really launch into her story. And so she is telling this story uh, basically about uh, an older guy who uh, meets with Hachigoro, who is the protagonist of the story. And essentially, the old man decides to teach him how to compliment others. But Hachigoro is not a very good listener. So his idea of how to get through the conversation is just, I know, I'll just copy what he says, and then that'll work. And then that'll, you know, satisfy him that I've learned the lesson. And then, you know, I can drink. He'll give me some freaking booze at the end of this. So uh, the example in the story that starts off with, all right, so... You know, you you said you're 45 years. So, you know, it's like what you're supposed to do is say if you meet someone, you're supposed to kind of fib a little bit about, you know, how they look after they tell you how old they are. For example, like, you know, if they're if they're 85, you should say they're they're like 82. And okay, let me try. You said you're 45 years old. You feel ripe to me. You like like you're about 100. It's like, no, no, you're doing it wrong. And so. Kyoji is observing all this and he's like, okay, yeah, you know, she's, you know, employing this very slow, careful tempo. It's perfectly suited for her audience. And that's something that you've got to do as a, as a Rakugo performer. And so I'm, I'm pretty confident that this is this. Yeah, she's got to do a satisfactory job. This is a good Stein. But then as she keeps going uh, through it, you know, she gets through, starts going through the jokes and it's like, okay, you know, look, you know, you're supposed to do it like this. You know, if, if you're talking to a man who's 50, tell me he looks like 45 or 46. Uh, and what if he's 60? I'll say he's 55 or 56. What if he's 70? Say he's 65 or 66. What if he's 80? Say 75 or 76. And 90? Ah, oh, buzz off! Oh, I get it. If I meet a 90 year old, I'm supposed to say buzz off. Ah, it's a joke. Ah, yeah. yeah, good in. But as she's going through it and her audience starts laughing more and more, Kyoji realizes, wait a minute, the tempo of her storytelling is picking up. She's increasing the pace like a car shifting gears. So she started out really slow and comfortable, and now she's gradually gotten faster and she's been doing it so naturally. The audience doesn't mind. They've just been keeping up with the tempo and they're completely caught up in it. So she's accustomed them to the pace she wanted to perform in the first place. And we see that Akane is consciously thinking about that. And she's like, all right, great. They're comfortable with what I'm doing now. And now I can do it how I really want to do it. Yes. And she flashes back. And we see that this is also a lesson that she learned at uh, the pub, which is, yeah, you know, like you're the point of, you know, Serving customers is to delight them. As long as I do that, it's all about presenting food I can be proud of. So there's that compromise there of you've got to suit things to the person you're serving, but also you've got to have pride in the thing you're presenting them. And that is a very important lesson, I think, as well. And it's one that Kyoji did not intend for her to learn, but 
she did. So it's good. Um, and Kyoji compares this to like, okay, you know, the, the metaphor before was she's a fastball pitcher and he, she just, you know, throws these wild fastballs that don't hit the strike zone. And I figured she would make adjustments and get her Rakugo into the strike zone. But instead, she just kept the pace and widened the strike zone itself so that she could keep on doing what she wanted to do and it would still land. Kyoji flashes back to a conversation he had with Shigama about, you know, what he was trying to teach her. And Shigama said, yeah, I'm sure she's going to do fine. Uh, but Kyoji is like, well, she seems to be struggling with it. And Shigama says, well, Akane is good at keeping others in mind and she's willing to learn. She might be panicking a bit due to the influence of other pupils these days, but I'm not worried. And Kyoji's like, yeah, you were right, because her eyes are trained right on the audience. And Akane is still talk, you know, she's still sharing her start with people. And as she does so, she's enjoying it more and more because she's like, this is this isn't like, you know, last time everything is landing. The audience is in stitches. This feels really, really good. And it especially feels good because of the story that I'm telling, because this is a story about a man who fails because he thinks he knows what he's doing, but he doesn't listen. And I've been making the same mistakes lately, so it really hits home for me. And it reminds me of something the master told me years ago. And we get a conversation in a flashback between Shigama and Kitakane early on in her training, where Shigama is trying to tell her, you know, Rakugo is an old art form. It was developed by the townsfolk of the time. And so because of that, the characters in the stories are carpenters, they're fishmongers and stuff. They're normal people like us. Eventually, you'll learn to understand how the people in those stories felt about things. And Akane was kind of doubtful about this because she's like, well, they're from so long ago, though. But Shigama explains, you'll understand. Our lives and ways of thinking may change, but there's a beating heart of humanity that stays true in any era of history. So go out there and experience things, Akane. Live life. Struggle. Get hurt. These things will one day help you grow. I promise you. And yeah, cool. <laughs> Amanda kind of is like, yeah, I did it. You know, I, I g- gathered, you know, experiences and it brought me to this, to this, you know, success. None of the struggles I had were wasted. I can apply all of it to Rakugo. It feels so good. Rakugo is so much fun. And we just get this full page spread of her as she's just really happily telling these this story and she's getting really into it. And then we cut ahead to later. You know, she takes her hair out of its ponytail as she's able to relax. And Kyoji congratulates her and says, yeah, you're, you're if you keep on improving at this pace, you'll have nothing to worry about. Akane thanks him for for helping her and Kyo, which Kyoji is confused by, but she's like, well, I'm thinking, you know, for, for everything. Cause now I realize I, w- I was stuck in this narrow view, but thanks to you, I think I'm learning to love Rakugo even a little bit more than before. And so Kyoji says, well, I'm glad that I helped you and you've shown me your answer loud and clear. So now it's my turn to show off. I'll demonstrate the power of my seniority to you because of course, Akane was just the opening act for his performance. So I guess we're going to get to see that next time. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. This is a really, really good chapter. You know, I, I love showing off her skill, showing that it's a different thing. I like the lesson that was kind of learned of like, look, 
You can still be yourself. You don't have to change everything about you. It's all about kind of adjusting to the audience and get them to go on your pace and everything like that. Um, I think that was like a good lesson. Uh, the art in this series uh, or in this chapter, as it's been for this series, is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I love her little moment to be like, thanks. I think I'm learning to like Rakugo even more. And I like the tease that like, okay, now we're going to see what her sensei essentially is going to be doing, you know, and kind of see a different Rakugo style. Um, I guess we've only seen hers and like that one rival guy with like the seductive style. So I'm curious to see what. This and is. her dad's basically. Yes. Which so. is more or less hers because she's modeled so much off of him. Right. So I'm, I'm very curious to see someone else do it. And it's just a good chapter, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of different things to like about this. Um, I, it, it hits a lot of, you know, it hits the point that you're expecting and then it hits like three more different ones. And Akane Banashi has managed to do that in, I think, like three chapters now where it's like, yeah, you've got the high expectations and then somehow it exceeds them by doing a bunch of other things on top of it. So really, really good stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Blue Box. Yes. Let's talk about Blue Box. I... I fucked up my alphabet for a moment i was like oh we're already at dora 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 no Dura, not Duran. yet not yet we're not at the duran dran yet it's chapter 48 of blue box if we weren't a year apart oh and nick it's like the one year anniversary for the series yes it is there is a there's a special thing that uh they were prom- that shonen jump was promoting which is like it's just kind of like you know you know a, a low beats to chill to kind of thing which oh, is seriously which is uh uh chinatsu's practice like you it's you know you know chill music that plays uh with an image of you know a sketchy uh chinatsu kind of like going around uh pra- pra- practicing basketball and you just hear her like sneakers squeaking against the floor oh, that sounds fucking awesome plays. yeah check this out where is it i think it's on the Shonen Jump uh, YouTube channel, I think. Ooh, um, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, so. Um, but yeah, like, it's it was an unusual, like, little thing to celebrate. It was like, oh, that's really cool, because it's very different, you know? So. Yeah. And yeah, of course, we've got this, you know, big two-page color spread to celebrate with a bunch of all the characters, even the ones you can't name. Yes, that one, too, uh, in, like, nice dress clothes and stuff. So, uh... After having spent the night together, not like that, definitely not like that. We, we, it was very firmly established, not like that. <laughs> uh, Taiki and Chiatsu are getting, are, you know, getting around ready to go on their day. Somehow the art manages to convey that Taiki has bedhead, which is um, impressive because of how spiky it is. Uh, and Chinatsu like teases him about it and is like, yeah, you got some bedhead. And she like pats her head to demonstrate. And he's like, oh, where? And he does it too. So they're both just like have their hands in their head at the same time. And she says, now we look like a couple of dummies. Yeah, it's a cute little thing. Um, so I actually believe that. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. This is, uh, this is not actually the, the morning after they spend the night at the uh, hotel. This is just some time later. Uh, and they're just waking up around the house and Taiki's like, yeah, things aren't, you know, like awkward between us ever since we made that trip to the beach. I still like her the way I did before. And she's still living with us to commit herself to basketball. But compared to before, I would swear that now 
but I won't finish the thought. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So there is a cultural festival that's going to be happening, which it's not shocking. It's a a high school, school life series. Those happen in in like every single one of these. Uh, Nope, this is the first time it's ever happened, Nick. This is revolutionary. Well, man, it's it's whoever thought about portraying this real-life thing in a manga about a real-life thing. So, uh, they're... So, Hina... And Taiki's class is going to put on a performance of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, which I've in the manga I've read and the anime that I've watched Snow White and the Seven Dwarves in particular seems to get put on in class productions a lot. So I don't know if this is like a true to life thing with Japanese schools, if it's just like a common play that gets put on specifically by Japanese schools or what. Because it seems to happen more frequently in Japanese series that I have seen than in Western series that I've seen. Like it happened in like Sailor Moon. It happened in uh, what's it called? Fucking uh, Fruits Basket. It's happened in this. So there's a lot of them. But anyway, I guess because also it's it's a convenient setup for, oh, but the guy and girl have to kiss. Yeah. Uh, so Hina says that she's going to be starring in it. Uh, Taiki glances at her while she's like introducing this topic to the class, which we don't see. We just like see them later, which is a little bit weird. Are they they in class together? Yeah, they are. There's another face right there. There's another student. I see him. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was just the three of them in an otherwise empty room for so much of this scene. Uh, so she, so Hina tells Taiki that he's going to have to lead on the project since he's the class representative and Taiki's like, but I was just pushed into doing this. Yes, you were. So fucking do it. Do it, nerd. Uh, and he's just kind of like, yeah, okay, I'll do my best to support you however I can. And Hina just kind of gives him just like a look like, huh, I didn't really expect that kind of, eh, eh, yeah. Uh, the teacher also gives Taiki a list of the participants and says, can you hand it to the second year rep? So he's like, all right, sure thing. So he leaves. And as he does, Hina's like, ah, he's a hard worker. And their friend whose name is not important says, uh, so I didn't ask Taiki or anything, but you told him that you like him, right? And he is like, what? Because, you know, she's, 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 she's chill like that. So she's fine. Uh, so he gets kind of nosy on her and is like, hey, so, I mean, like, Taiki likes Shinatsu Senpai and they fucking live together. And he is like, yeah, you're awfully nosy, aren't you? Uh, but she answers a bit more directly by saying, there's nothing we can do about it. I realized that I have feelings for him. So she seems to still be taking things in stride regardless so she is handling it well apparently who knows teenagers so glasses boy is like it still hurts it's like yeah but i don't care about your feelings (laughs) taiki goes to see the second year rep which is uh sasaki 
who I don't even know if we've met before. But uh, he comes into Chinatsu's class while she's alone and she tells him, yeah, yeah, he's out preparing for the cultural festival with everyone else. So can you give this to him? Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he comes into the classroom and he's like, oh, being in the second year's classroom makes me nervous. So, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, and then he observes like, oh, man, you've got a great seat, Chinatsu, because you're in the last row and you're right by the window. And uh, so Junas is like, oh, OK, yeah. W- where do you sit in the class? And Taiki puts his hand on the seat of the, of the desk right next to Chinatsu's. And so Chinatsu says, oh, too bad. If we weren't a year apart, we could be sitting next to each other. I don't know why that that line did get me. Or I was like, oh, we would have. <laughs> yeah, they would have been neighbor friends and stuff. Yeah. And they they start, you know, Taiki doesn't like melt into an awkward pile to his credit. He's yes. like, yeah, if you were born a year later, then you could let me copy your homework. And she's like, no, you do your home. You do your own homework. <laughs> but uh, Taiki says, you know, I bet despite the fact that you sit in the back, you don't fall asleep during class. And she says, yeah, I stay awake, but I can imagine you sleeping at your desk. Well, I would do that. But then while the teacher goes down the road to call on students for answers, I'd try to wake you up, but then you still wouldn't budge. And they just kind of like imagine this whole sequence of Taiki jolting awake when the teacher calls on him. He doesn't know what's going on, but Shinatsu helps him out by giving him what the answer is by writing it down so he can see it. And then they, they get away with it. And then there's just this two-page spread of the two of them being happy with each other, sitting next to each other. And it's very cute. And Chinatsu kind of looks at him after they pause, thinking about that. And she says, you'll just have to skip a gray, Taiki. It's like, aww. The idea of him and her almost kind of sharing this collective imagination of what it would be like for the two of them to be in the same class together is it like nothing in it is new. It is it is as stereotypical as you could do. But the idea that they have this imagined time together is very, very sweet. It is a very, very cute moment. I feel like this does more to establish a potential romance between them than anything else that you see in this series. Yeah. It's like, okay, if you guys are on such a similar wavelength where you're imagining the same things together, then that's all right. Maybe, maybe you do really, really like being around each other. I'll buy it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but shortly after that, uh, Chinatsu gets called, uh, to do something else. Um, and Taiki's like, I mean, I totally would skip a grade if I could, you know, we've always been in different grades, we're on different sports teams. All I can do is watch her across the net and think about how, if we weren't living together, then we'd have nothing to do with each other. Speaking of. He goes home and Chinatsu's mom is there sitting with Chinatsu. And he's like, oh, what are you doing in Japan? And so she says, oh, yeah, Chinatsu's grandfather had to fall. So I hopped on a plane to come here. Um, but he's fine, by the way. <laughs> but it's an, ex- it's an excuse for me to show up at this moment very suddenly and abruptly with no warning. Uh, and she says, OK, so he's going to be getting surgery next month and I'm renting an apartment here in the meantime. 
So then Taiki's mom says, yeah, so Chinats is going to be living with her mom for a little while. And Taiki just kind of stares in surprise. And he's, huh? so, so yes, we did just strongly establish like, yes, there would be no connection between Shinatsu and Taiki, if not for the fact that they live together. And now that's not going to be the case, at least temporarily. So it's not as if suddenly everything's been dropped. It's like, Oh no, the, the only connection is gone forever. But it's like, yeah, but they are going to have to, seemingly spend a lot less time together now so yeah i mean it's not exactly like oh my god like, it's not like something where like i read the end of the chapter it's like you've you've upended my entire world um uh, but it is de- something that's definitely like oh hey like the status quo is going to change even they admit rather briefly because her mom's not going to be staying a very very long time so it's going to be like a chunk of the year. Well, she says next month is when the surgery is happening. Yeah. So, it, yeah, presumably it's not going to be too, too long. But yeah, uh, I guess we'll see what becomes of that and what's how the characters are going to react. It's it's a it's a sweet chapter in the meantime. I did like uh, their little mansion spot. And just that one two page spread of the two of them is very, very sweet. So, yeah. <laughs> all right <laughs> the time has come <laughs> dun, 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 dun. chapter 18 rage so it's true this is a very raging chapter i don't know how much longer this is going to last <laughs> What so, makes you possibly think that? So Yoshihime leads Uji to the compound that all of the uh, uh, demons were hanging out at, and the Izanagi. And um, then uh, Hirohisa tries to sneak attack Uji, but it doesn't work. And they all say some things that are very in their gimmicky character bits. And Uji's like, I guess this was a trap. So then he's like, hey, where are the hostages? And Yoshihime goes, ha, 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 there are no hostages. Ha, ha, ha. And Hideyasa says, oh, yeah, I killed them. Also, Tamemon ate some of them. <laughs> um, and they just go, you're stupid. And their leader goes, even if they get it, they still can't resist coming to another human's aid. Humans are idiotic creatures. And you're just like, I'm right here, guys. Come on. I'm, I'm, Come I'm on. right here. <laughs> guys, stop being mean. Check out how powerful I am. Ha! Ah, surging power aura that makes all the go, oh, my God, he's so strong and stuff. So Hidehisa launches his snake missile things uh, and he dodges to which Hidehisa goes, oh, he dodged. That's no fun. <laughs> I mean, he's right. You know, it is no fun. If you play Battleship and nothing, nothing ever hits, it's all just misses. It's not a fun game. No, that's true. And you'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah, especially if you're playing it and you get to shoot like 100 in a row you're like uh you do like seven shots in a row and you're like they all miss this game sucks i hate this game everyone sucks but me <laughs> uh yoshihime uh, is his is uji's first target he chased her down because like the, those threats are a real pain to go in the way i should kill her first so yoshihime 
pulls herself up to the rafters and is like, I've got to apologize because I'm way out of your league. And uh, look, webbing where you're standing. Ha! And now I'm going to spear you with threads and stuff. And Uji's like, all right. And he just holds his sword up to the threads, sticking him and um, makes them stop sticking him. And then he launches himself up towards her and uh, b- bashes her up through the roof. And, uh, well, she's dead. Uh <laughs> He, her body is split in half by the force of the impact, and then he's, and then he launches his voracious Hulk attack at her, and it eats her. Brom. Uh, and Hidehisa comes up out of the hole that he made, and they square up on the roof, and Hidehisa says, You killed Yoshihime! Now remember, Nick, this is the intense character. When he was introduced, it was sort of a status quo shifting for the series, where, oh wow, these are very, very terrifying characters now. So, this character... Is going to be an intense fight. Like I know she was just kind of a throwaway spider gimmick villain, but this is this is the this is potentially the main event. Yeah, I mean, uh, if these guys are all if these three guys are all supposed to be on roughly the same level. I mean, Dora had to have a crazy huge power up after a lot of training in order to be strong enough to be one, and, and it took him even after that. It took him, you know, he had to have time to repair for it. He needed a lot of assistance. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess we'll see. I mean, I think he he's probably even stronger than that guy. Yeah. So what's going to happen? Uh, so Uji kills him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like they say a bunch of dialogue to each other and Uji does the flash step sword strike and cuts his body in half and then summons another voracious Hulk and it eats him and he's dead. It's, it's almost kind of funny the way it happens. He's just like slice like, huh? I didn't even see what happened. Chomp. And that's it. And there's not like a big panel for it. It's just the panel of the other guy being like, oh, shit, he killed that one. (laughs) So their leader is like, oh, man, all my guys are dead now. It's just me. Time to use you know what, which it's just you're you're saying this in your head. Why are you saying this? Time to do the old mystery special number three, if you get what I'm saying here. Wink, wink. So he makes a symbol with his hand and starts to declare his attack name. And Uji just flashes in and cuts his arm off. He's like, oh, my God, this guy's fast. Jesus. <laughs> so he darts away and goes, oh, my God, his he's incredibly powerful. His supernatural powers, athletic abilities. He's exponentially stronger than any I've encountered before. Samurai officer Heisuke Uji. So he perches a tree nearby and he says, I'm so glad I met you. And Uji's like, I could just flash step over to him and kill him. But uh, he said something surprising. So I'll talk to him instead. What? So the guy says, I get to take out a powerful samurai. We didn't just lure you here to gang up on you. It was all engineered from the start for the purpose of this attack. Dark Hades blast. And um, black flames gather around the building that they're on and a huge column of fire streaks up. And that's where the chapter ends. Gee, I wonder if Uji is dead or not. He's probably not dead. It's <laughs> oh, man. If they just fucking they just start killing everybody, <laughs> like everybody just starts dying. Like, holy shit, dude, this series is metal. Um, how does how does he get out of this? I'm trying to think. He runs fast and gets out of the way. <laughs> But that's not exciting enough. They can't just do that. I mean, it would, they could, and it would be really funny if that's what happened. Is he just runs? He just think he's like, I just run fast. <laughs> I don't get I don't hurt. know what set 
any of Uji's stuff apart from anything else he's done in this chapter? I don't know. Uh, but I do have a theory, Nick. What if this is when the girl comes, but Jinjio, she comes back, she saves him. Because we gotta uh, get it. We oh. gotta get everybody back. The gang's gotta be all here for them to fight. Question mark. <laughs> I literally will not be surprised if she comes back in the next chapter because I feel like there's not a lot time left for her to come back now. <laughs> no, probably not. Not particularly. Like the way that this chapter unfolds is like, yeah, that villain's dead. That villain's dead. It's just done. It's done. So. All right. All right. Let's talk about uh, a better series, Nick. Let's talk about. The well, oh, wait, hold on. Wait, before. Hold we on. Well, there there is a the special thing that happened yes. uh, that came out. Oh, uh, OK. We're going to talk about that first. We're going to talk a little bit about Goodbye, Ari. Okay. I'm not going to summarize this. This is 200 pages long. It'll take me too long. Um, we didn't really talk at all about, uh, Tatsuki Fujimoto's last, uh, volume long one shot, uh, which was legitimately one of the, my favorite manga that I've ever read. It was really, really good. This was also really, really good. Uh, I think it might tech, it might be objectively better, although I didn't like it as much, if that makes sense. Um, and, uh, you know, the last you know, one shot had a lot to say about just the art of storytelling through manga and how, what it can mean to a creator. And this is very similar. It's about how the effect of telling a story, even a true story can affect the way that the teller perceives and remembers it based on the way that they tell it. Um, but it's through the medium of making movies, making films and Basically, it's about these like it starts off with a documentary that, you know, the kid protagonist makes about his dying mom and how it kind of idealizes her memory as she's getting worse and worse. I think the thing that hit me very early on was occasionally it would just cut to Yuta's dad and Yuta would just say, dad's crying yeah, because his wife is terminally ill. <laughs> uh, but uh, then shockingly at the end. Uh, Utah doesn't go to film his mom's last moments in the hospital. He can't go through with it. So the film that he's making about her ends with him running away from the hospital and it dramatically explodes behind him as he runs away from it. <laughs> um, but this ends up catching the attention of a girl named Ari. Because uh, everyone else is like, everyone what the, the fuck, dude? That's an insult all... to your mom's memory. Yeah. Everyone except her thinks that this is awful. It's, it's, it's a terribly distasteful decision is like, what the fuck dude? Like th this is how you want to remember your mom by just having an explosion go off when she dies instead of actually doing anything about that. But it catches Ari's attention. And so she's like, okay, I want you to make another movie, but we got to actually like get you to know what good movies are first. <laughs> so she teaches about that. And she essentially eventually released him like, I want you to make a movie about my life because she is also terminally ill. But she also likes his fantastic, you know, twists that he puts on things. So he says, this is a movie about a vampire girl who meets a guy who is trying to get over the loss of his mother. And everyone didn't like the movie that he made about her. So now he's going to make another movie. And it gets very inception-y in terms of the layers of pulling back out of what has happened in order to reveal like, yeah, this was also within a story, within a story, within a story uh, kind of thing. Appeals the layers of the onion back. But eventually what comes out of the whole thing is 
because Yuta's dad tells him, I've got some footage of your mom being really, really abusive to you while making this film because she was like this movie producer. She was very perfectionist and she was not great a lot of the time. But the version of your mom that you put in this movie, she's so wonderful and caring and stuff. But, you know, you've kind of twisted your own memory of her because of that idealized vision. And eventually we, of course, see that Yuda has done the same thing for Ari after we get past the point where she passes away from her disease. And then you'd think it could just end on the note of because like we see Yuda talking with her actual friend whom we had not met during the entire making of the documentary. And she says, you know, Ari could be a bit of an asshole sometimes. You know, she was kind of selfish and stuff. And she really asked a lot of you. And she you know, asked like, hey, did, or did you guys actually like fall in love or anything? He's like, no, no, that was purely for the film. Like, so there are very clearly falsified parts of this quote unquote documentary that he made about this person you befriended. And then it, it fades to black. And then it fades back in because it turns out Utah's life after that point wasn't great because he obsessed over the film about Aerie that he made and was trying to perfect it in his life after that point. And then one day he was in a car accident and his fucking family died. And it's, it's just, it keeps going. until so eventually he just, he's thinking about committing suicide the same way he did it, by the way, at the start of the film before he met Aerie. And so he goes to the abandoned place that he would watch movies with Ari and she's there again, but she's the same way that she was as a high school student. And you're just like, why haven't you aged? Because I'm a vampire, but I made that part of you up. No, no, no. It's not fantasy at all. I'm a vampire, but my memory resets every few years and I die. But I, now know what I was like because of this movie that you showed me about while I was dying. So now I know, you know, how important that is. I've got a human heart, you know, uh, and I've got more than just like a letter I would have left for myself. You showed me the kind of person that I last was. So you did ask her, you know, everyone you love, though, is going to die before you. Your parents, you know, your lovers, your friends are going to watch all of them die. And she says, I'm going to be fine because I've got this movie. Isn't that beautiful? And Yuta says, yeah, it is. And he wishes her goodbye. And he leaves. And he remembers what Ari told him about, hey, you know, you need a pinch of fantasy in all these stories that you tell. And as he leaves the building, it dramatically explodes behind him. <laughs> this is fucking amazing. It's, it's, <laughs> like... it's, it's a fantastic ending where you're really like... Because you do this, so this is essentially the length of like a full volume, and it tells a very complete story, and it's it's hard not to kind of go through the emotions of being like sad, and then being like, what is this twist, and be like, what's going on, and then you kind of get sad, and then you get depressed for a little bit, and then it kind of starts to leave you off on this catharsis, and then in the Fujimoto way, he just ends it by blowing up the building, and it's, yeah. I, I, I can only speak for myself, but I truly don't know how someone not didn't get to that last page turn and just not laugh. Like you just like, fuck yeah, man. Yeah. Of course the building explodes. And it's satisfying too, because of how it was set up at the beginning and stuff. And it leaves you off in this note of like, yeah, I guess you're just going to be okay now. You know, he's, he's, he's at least, you know, been given this new perspective on things. 
I like the way that the entire story makes you question very, very, very deliberately what is real and what is fake, because ultimately the entire thing is a manga. It's all a story. Um, but it gives you a lot to think about and ponder in terms of the way that storytellers affect not just the audience's perception of things, but their own perception of things. It's really, really clever and cool. So this was really good. Like I said, I think it might be better than the last one shot. I just, it just didn't resonate as strongly with me, but still well, like that's, this is that's nine point something out of 10. Like it's great. That's so. an absolutely fair thing. I, I liked, um, what was the last one? It, I want to say it begins. I thought the name of it. Look back. It begins. <laughs> Does it look back? Yes. Okay. It was. I liked look back. Um, not as much as everybody else seemed to. And I kind of felt a little guilty for that. Um, I think part of it was just like, I didn't have a knowledge or connection to the actual sort of tragedy that was referenced. Uh, not deliver like directly, but it was clearly kind of in reference to, um, so I didn't have like a personal thing there. It was kind of just like a general empathy kind of thing. And I, I did like it quite a lot. It was a very excellent story that was very emotional. Uh, but this one, just in reading it, I was able to find moments where I was like, oh, this feels deeply connective to like my life or things that I've done. I love how it played with perspective and what's real or not. I, I thought it was such a brilliant moment that's not really like dwelled upon too much. But after the the goodbye airy thing is actually revealed um seeing that there was another friend who is not a yeah. part of the story at all who's also like airy's not as cute as you made her out like she wears glasses usually and she has a yeah. retainer like you why did you do that like you guys weren't like, you guys weren't yeah. like an item like like all these little details that you're like holy like it's it's like two panels long and you're just like holy crap that completely changes the way i was looking at this yeah it was all fabricated or it was all you know touched up basically but then you know later on when you is confronted by airy it's that version of airy that we have met yeah that is what we never him. we never so. see the version of airy that supposedly exists we only ever see the version that he has created you know with the lens essentially for us which i guess is kind of an important contrast compared to the reveal of how his mother was really like yes uh, you know, it's it's he's still got the memory of that airy held on to. But yeah, yeah it's I, all very good. I, I, um, I highly recommend if you haven't checked it out to give it a read. Two things. Some people are asking if it's eligible for chapter of the week. I consider it a volume, not a chapter. But, oh, you know, if you want to say. But um, I, the, and the other is uh, I've seen, I think, a couple different people saying like, yeah, I really want more Chainsaw Man. But also if Fujimoto never makes another part of Chainsaw Man and just keeps on making stories like this, I'll be fine with that. And yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm they're really good. <laughs> I'm completely fine with it. You know, I don't I honestly don't really need a Chainsaw Man part two. <laughs> Well, but then it'll come out and you'll be and you'll be like, why did I ever think I couldn't? Oh, no. I, 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 I'm sure Chainsaw Man Part 2 is going to be phenomenal, but like I, I don't need it. So if we get it extra bonus, but I could certainly like if I'm dying like right now and all the regrets are going through my mind, I'm certainly not going to be like, I didn't get to see Chainsaw Man Part 2. It's like because I got to see fucking Chainsaw Man Part 1. That part was fucking awesome. True that. Uh, all right. All right. Nick. I've got a puzzle for you, Let's Chris. Let's do podcasters postulate poetically phrased professional pretenders. <laughs> all right. Yeah, let's do that. And I have one for you as well. 
All right, why don't you start off? Because I actually have to get my notepad file okay. open. So I'm going to read this to you uh, as best I can. So this one I made up. Okay. Uh, painted and pierced performer plummets perpetually, comma, poetically. That's Jeff Hardy. Yes, there you go. I mean, that is absolutely 100 billion percent Jeff Hardy. There was a part after I wrote it where I was like, like as you read it, each word literally was like, no, that's that can't be anyone but Jeff Hardy. And then you got to poetically. I was like, yes. <laughs> well, I was worried before I added poetically because I was like, well, that could also just be Darby Allen. <laughs> the same thing. No, if you had if you had thrown me with something like, I don't know, um, Punitively, I don't know. So there something, something that's that's not flattering. I would have gone with him instead. Go. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Physics purged prince passes, proves parentless. Purges proves parentless. Let me get. Let me get uh, in our uh, text chat here for you. Physics purged prince passes, proves. Parentless. Physics purged prince passes. Proves parentless. It's not Finn Balor. No, it is not. Okay. Who would be a prince? This was one where I was upset about the lack of P words for the term that I was looking for. Okay. So, Is there a certain word I should focus in on that's like the big clue? Um... Honestly, if 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 you are going for the biggest hint, I would actually go for parentless. Parentless. I mean, Undertaker's parentless. That's not what I mean. But okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I don't have parents. Why is that? Uh, <laughs> it's not parentless. What does it oh, mean? Wait. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, sorry. I was thinking for a moment Daniel Garcia, but his parents are still with him. They're all part of the Jericho Appreciation Society. <laughs> That's right. It's dad's. <laughs> um, it's not Cody Rhodes, is it? No, okay. but what would you do to insult someone by implying? Bastard. Yeah. Bastard. Uh, Pac. Yes. Yeah. Do, do you go. understand how the rest of it applies to him? Yes. He was the man who defied gravity. Uh, he was the king of the crew. He was the king of the cruiserweights. Yes. Proves and then, parentless. And passes because he sat out in WWE for like two years because he didn't like what they were having him do. That is very true. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. Proves parentless. That's a good one. Good term. All right, Nick. Let's talk about PPPPPP. Yes. Chapter 28. One mistake. And a cover page that is as heterosexual as it comes, guys. This is what heterosexual girls normally do with each other. They just just wrap each other's legs around each other. Just a queen and her succubus uh, sitting in each other's laps the way friends do. I the first time I saw this, I thought this panel or this page was a lot more lewd than it was because I read uh, Melody's leg or I read Mimin's leg as Melody's leg. Oh, so like, like they were contorting I, around each other. Well, no, kind I, of I was like, is Melody just sitting fucking bare ass on the floor? Like, holy shit, that's <laughs> fucking wild. <laughs> Fujimoto really opened the doors. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, like it's going coming out of Maloli's skirt as opposed to going under it. Got yeah. it. Yeah. 
Um, so Sora Chica has shown up at the performance and he says some cool lines. Uh, and he says, you can understand the music with your heart, but it's hard to put into words. The feeling she played with was understated. You can clearly tell that this was how it was meant to be. And, uh, guy who's there for some reason and has been there for some reason for a long time at this point. She's like, Oh my God, it's Sorochika Otagami. But Sorochika is like, but that woman's really scary. Isn't she? He's like, hey, dude, what a professional had some dramatic lines to deliver. did not let the distractions affect him. Nail the delivery. Good stuff. Anyway, lucky goes to talk to Maloli, <laughs> I guess. Um, she wanted to talk to him. And so he's like, what's going on? Uh, your performance of Pavani for a dead princess was wonderful. And then Maloli thanks him, and she looks, I don't know, because sometimes facial expressions are hard to read in this series, but she makes an ex- a face. And then she says, Mimin's going to, hey, play the piano soon. If a girl who was born just to play the piano hates it, it's the same as being dead. And Lucky's like, what are you talking about? That's it. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I fucking love it. Dude, her pupils are as large as her entire eye at this point. Like, her fucker, her iris, rather. Like, it's such a terrifying visual. Her fucking gigantic eyes. And she's like, if a girl who's born to play the piano hates it, it's the same as being dead. Like, come, come again. Goodbye. <laughs> like, that's the t- most terrifying thing I could think of. I don't know if Maloli is trying to warn Lucky in this moment or if she's just like, I'm going to kill your sister. So I, th- I think she was stating it as like, sort of like a thing, because I think in her mind, she thinks this is good for Lucky because she's like, my man's going to mm-hmm. hate piano and you will benefit from that because now you won't yeah. lose in that contest against her. Maybe we'll get an explanation later. But yeah, it does seem a bit... Um... It can be read a couple different ways, I think, for right now, based off of how the last chapter went. Um, Sora Chica, meanwhile, is talking to Ponytail Dude, and he says, she even told us she'd become evil through her performance. And Mr. Music Analysis guy over here is like, what are you talking about? And Sora Chica says, on the surface, it was a good performance, but dig deeper, and you'll see it was just a monologue, which is... Like, holy shit. (laughs) Um, But he also says there's a tiny part of her that hasn't yet become completely evil. She might not have noticed, but that's what it sounded like. Ponytail guy's like, I mean, he sounds really convincing, so I guess that he's right. (laughs) I just, I love his little face. It's just like, he's like a god, and he has like the cheesiest dumbest like what are you doing buddy (laughs) stop letting me count your teeth uh so oh gosh i've forgotten her name um for yes uh so she meets up with lucky in the lobby before mimin's performance and lucky just repeats what maloli said to him that she's going to hate playing the piano and then he asked Furusu, what do you think she meant by that? And Furus is like, you're worried about her. It's like, yeah, she's his sister. And Lucky apologizes because he's like, I mean, I want to win against her. But Furusu interrupts him and asks, what was Mimi Nodogami like as a child? 
So they sit down with each other and Lucky says like, yeah, I mean, like she loved playing the piano with her fairies. I've only ever seen her conjure trees on TV. Um, so first thinks about this for Ben. She asks, so when she evokes the trees, I don't sense love or joy behind it. And Lucky says, well, yeah, when she would like play at the electronic store, she was having fun. Um, Furusu says maybe she doesn't like evoking the trees, but they're so beautiful. I'm jealous. But if you keep doing something you don't like, you're going to end up hating it. Uh, and Lucky's like, I told her I liked the trees at the electronic store. And Furu says, yeah, well, because it's it's good. You can't deny that. But then she's struck by an idea. And uh, she's like, all right, how about this? Uh, but we don't get to see that. We cut to Mimin and said, as she has finished her performance. And of course, she evoked the trees again, as we saw. And she's like, oh, that was so boring. I don't get it. I... I'm I, I'm the one to blame for Maloli. It's it's I guess it must be it must be because it's my fault taking me so long to be free. I've got to hurry up and be free. I'm so bored. And then she says aloud, "I hate the piano." And then she's shocked by what she has just said, and she asks herself, "Like what what did I what did I just say? I hate the piano." I, I can't hate the piano because it's it, it's thanks to piano. I got to meet the fairies and she's tearing up and she realizes I haven't seen my fairies lately. I'm sorry I can't bring you out in this concert hall. Maybe maybe I really do hate the piano and her like face is starting to melt. And it's weird because like it's kind of a comedic image very briefly, but it's like her. This girl's this heart is, is breaking. Yeah, this yeah. is a reality shattering. <laughs> So Furusu suddenly approaches her at this moment. And it's kind of funny because even in her deepest, darkest moment, Mimin turns her and is just like, boing, boing. Because that's her nickname for her because of her pigtails. It'd be great if like, Furusu was like, never mind. I was going to help you, but <laughs> dumb nickname. <laughs> and Furusu invites her to go and see Lucky's performance together. So it looks like there might be something that Lucky has to show her. I love this chapter so much. I, for one, I, I really do. I, I, I like, it's honestly a little frustrating because it's like, oh, well, uh, Lucky and Furusu work really well together. I actually really like them bouncing off each other. It's like, yeah, they actually get to bounce off each other because Furusu has just kind of become more of like yeah. a side character quasi love interest thing, which is a little bit of a shame. Right. But I she's actually, not a rival or fellow competitor yeah, right now. But yeah. I, I do actually really like her character and I like when her and Lucky interact. I don't know why. There's just something very nice about them interacting. I'm like, oh, I hope these two kids work out. Whatever that may be. I don't even need them to be in a relationship. I just like the two of them together interacting. Um, the moment, though, that, that really sells this chapter is just men being like, I hate this. I hate the piano. And then just like that static like shock moment panel to be like, wait, did I just say I hate the piano? And like the shattering of her, like in this moment where Mamin has kind of been this aloof sort of pseudo antagonist, she's the obstacle, but you don't really hate her per se. She's just sort of this free spirit that is better than everyone else around her. Basically having her like 
entire world shattered in her, like in front of her was devastating. Like I immediately felt that moment. I'm like, holy shit, this hits crazy hard. So the idea that the end of the perform, the end of the chapter is Furusu coming up and be like, Hey, let's go listen to Lucky's performance together. Like it immediately filled me up. I was like, this is so fucking exciting. Like I was so happy that she doesn't have to just sit here and be like, Oh, my entire reality is, is gone now because I don't think I enjoy playing the piano anymore. And it's like, no, here's, here's the, the olive branch being thrown out to be like, Hey, I think we can save your, your joy for this, this, this art form. Yeah. And, uh, that'll, it'll, it's, it feels like it is going to lead to a much more satisfying conclusion than just if lucky just, you know, beat her or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, all right, Nick, let's go over to Mashal Magic and Muscles, Chapter 103, yeah. Mash Burn Dead, and the painful pan... Oh, shit, it's that word I can never say. Panacea, pansia, panacea, panacea, pan... pan... Hold on, putting down painful panacea as a clue to give in a wrestling puzzle. Is that a panacea? I guess. I don't know. Hold on, I'm gonna say confidently, and uh, people will believe it's correct. Panacea. Panacea. You lied to me, Nick. Yep. All right. Uh, we open the chapter with Margaret, who uh, she is dunking uh, shrimp into tartar sauce as she does, and is chowing down on it. And Lord Abel is there and says they were awfully rude to us, and yet they failed to impress. I was, n- I wasn't remotely satisfied with them. And Abyss Razor is like, I heard you guys defeated the rest of the Walkus magic users on your own. It sounds like it was a real cool fight. Anyway, we didn't get to see any of that. Maybe if this gets an anime, we can expand on it. doesn't say that part, but uh, that is kind of what's alluded to. Uh, Margaret. Uh, oh, so Abyss Razor continues that like Innocent Zero is going to launch a worldwide attack one month from now. It seems so far removed from our inner school squabbles. And Margaret says, personally, I'm looking forward to it. From an objective standpoint, we've got a front row seat to the end of the world. How thrilling. We cut over and uh, Lance is walking down a hallway being sort of brooding. And he's just like, I entered a school to protect my sister and I can't protect my sister if Innocent Zero does this. I need to get stronger. And Dot is behind him just going, hey, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Why are you leaving me out? Yo! Just doing all this annoying stuff. And Lance says, something's following me. Dot says out loud, don't think you can ignore me. And Lance thinks to himself, I'll ignore it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. I was like, all right, kind of funny. We cut over to a spooky castle where Mass is chained to a bed. And Rio is there. Rio Gantz, who... uh, we see in a flashback, rescued Mash, and is like, I will take you to someone who could treat your injuries and muscle spasms in the manliest way possible. <laughs> Which I don't quite yep. understand what that means. He's just carrying him uh like a like a like a like a log fucking panel, basically. Um Mash says, It's very kind of you, and Rio says, Don't mention it. As the hottest guy in the world, I've gotta look out for the hot guy junior. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand what that means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's see if this will work now. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's get uh, let's get Nick's camera going. Mm. Beautiful face. Yeah. Um, see if that affects the call. Yeah, we'll just see. Uh, so Mash is like, "Hey, what are the shackles here for?" And he just fair hears, question. He just hears. He's like, "Well, that sounds like a chainsaw." <laughs> <laughs> And a woman shows up with a chainsaw and she's like, it'll be over soon. And Mash is like, you tricked me. <laughs> he doesn't seem all that disturbed yeah. by this. And she just says, uh, he says, listen, I'm just here to get treatment for my muscle spasms. That looks like, and she interrupts him and says, yes, it's a chainsaw. And he says, but that's a tool they use to cut down trees. <laughs> Great line. Good point. It is a tool they used to cut down trees. Uh, so she goes to like touches him with the chainsaw and then stops. And he's like, uh, is there a reason you didn't finish me off? And she says, this is a magic chainsaw capable of cutting pain, exhaustion, and toxins right out of your body. But it's very painful. And Mash is like, uh, no thanks. And she just keeps, yeah, he just keeps smiling. He's like, could you stop making that face each time you threaten me? I want to go home. And uh, Lady just says, Mash, you should know you don't have any say in this. He's like, oh, okay then. <laughs> she just goes down and there's like a spatter of blood. <laughs> uh, Mash gets up and says, oh, wow, I was sure it was a goner. I can move now. Woohoo, yippee. <laughs> it is explained that this is Mistress Meliodule, and she was stronger than even Master Wahlberg in her day. So uh, it turns out Adam Jobs was basically like the the first or whatever Hokage, the third Hokage, where he had three pupils and they were all very strong ninjas. One of them went evil. One of them was like, good. And then there was a girl. <laughs> and who could heal? Yes. And you've now met them all. So Mistress Meliodul is stronger than the headmaster. Uh, I, I like that this series is just going to be very upfront with like, it's, I liked Naruto. <laughs> Remember when I did Rock Lee versus Garo a week or two ago? <laughs> now I brought in Tsunade <laughs> with the chainsaw. Um, oh man, just, just, just Tsunade, but she had a chainsaw. That is just an improvement, isn't it's it? It's a strict improvement, strictly better. It really is. Uh, Mass is just like... Oh, wow, that's crazy. Rio says, uh, I'm only being honest. And then he goes to, like, touch her shoulder. He's like, you've got a little dust. And she, like, punches him through a wall. And she's like, mind your wretched hands around a lady, you blooming fool. Which I don't know what accent that's meant can, to be. I can only imagine if someone like, mind your wretched hands around a lady, you blooming fool. Uh, yeah, I was like, I guess Scottish, I guess. Um, and I like Rio crushed through the wall just says, there you have it, Mash Burn Dead. Don't always don't just assume, always check in with the other party about their boundaries before you act. Which is a very good lesson. That is a great lesson to give people. And I love that he's Particularly said to the junior hotties. Yeah, like they need to respect boundaries. And I like that he's just smashing it all saying it's like, see, this is an important lesson we've all had to learn here today. Uh Melia Duel is basically like, hey, as you are now, you are not going to possibly be able to beat Innocent Zero. You're not even a match for his eldest child. You're doomed to die, basically. 
but the power of darkness on that strongest day of the eclipse, he will be coming. So that gives you just 30 days until Innocent Zero and the others attack. And at that time, you have to at least be stronger than me. I believe if you complete my training, you'll gain spawn like incredible power. But if you'll die, you'll if you don't, you'll be in such a state you'll never live a normal life again. We risk we risk yourself for the slimmest of chances. And Mash is like, how slim are we talking about? She's like, oh, 0.1%. In other words, you will fail 999 times out of 1,000. Mash is like, oh, I see. Really, Jules like, yeah, well, I mean, you're very young. There's no reason for you to risk your entire life for this. And Mash is like, oh, yeah, there is. I have. And he thinks back to all of his friends. He says, a lot that I need to protect regardless of the risk. So even if my chance is one in a thousand, I'll make sure that one time is the first time. I know I can. And Melia Duel just says, very well, let the training begin. And we get the little line that says 30 days remain until the final battle. I do want to point out in that little shot of MASH, you know, thinking about all of his friends, which is very sweet. Uh, but he also has a giant cream puff. So it's like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously. Just as valuable as all of his friends, you know. <laughs> there is no world for MASH if there is not cream puffs in it. That is just a distinguished fact. I also like how Tom Knowles is there, but he's, like, facing the fucking Way background. Way back in the back, yeah, yeah. He's he's there, but he's over there. He's over yeah. back there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was serviceable, and it had some good jokes. So I, I had fun. a lot of fun yeah. with it, and I really like MASH's line at the end. I thought it was a good line. Let's move on to The Elusive Samurai, Chapter 58, Return, 1335. Uh, Kusunoki has intercepted Takauji, uh, right as Takauji is trying to chase down Tokiyuki and his friends. Uh, and Kusunoki says, oh yeah, you were late, so I came to welcome you. Uh, my wife said it would be rude to serve you cold food. <laughs> uh, and so he immediately makes like a pathetic guy, like, oh, please come back, because I, I, I won't be able to face her if I don't bring you back soon. She'll be so angry. So Takauji goes off with him and he's like, yeah, I look forward to your wife's cooking. And so they ride back together, which permits Tokyuki to escape. Uh, Kusunoki, of course, looks over his shoulder as they ride off and he just thinks, yeah, the boy may have overheard my conversation. So I was worried and I came back to check. And he kind of just like turns his horse and just points very, very subtly to Tokyuki. And he thinks to himself, I will only help you this once, boy. I owe my status to the Mikado, so I will defeat his enemies, whether they be boys or heroes. So, cute, cool little moment for Kusunoki. Yes. Very subtly getting, letting him get away. But just letting you know, like, I'm not going to do this anymore because I'm a coward. So, um, At that moment... Uh, Moro now rides up with Takauji's other men and they reunite. Uh, there are, of course, questions about the children and Takauji's like, oh, yeah, they were innocent. <laughs> so, and Kusunoki even makes me, oh my god, I, we should send soldiers after them. But Takauji, being Takauji, is just like, oh, I, just want some, I just want some food and sake. Yeah. So, that's all. Um, Moro now is uh, not Moro now, but uh, someone else is kind of pissed off about this. And he's like, I bet that Kusunoki's behind this. Uh, and Moro now thinks your loyalty to the Mikado is troublesome. So I'm going to remove you someday. But all of them just go back to Kusunoki's residence and, uh, and uh, they go to have a meal. 
meanwhile, uh, the hour of the dog arrives, and uh, hey, the plan to assassinate the Mikado has failed. Uh oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> a bunch of armed men show. Uh, a bunch of armed men show up to make arrests instead of the Mikado, and so Yusui is like, "Oh, uh-oh." So uh, he turns to Kinmune, uh, and he's like, "We we've got to get out of here." But Kinmune says, "I'm not going to run away," uh, which Yusui objects to. But Kinmune shoves him back and says, "The great Sayonji family cannot rely on you." Barbarians. Gambled and lost, so I must pay to spot my rank. Thank you for assisting my ambitions. Now carry on the fight as befits a barbarian warrior. Hey, look at how regal and cool this guy looks as he, you know, goes to die and we yes. never hear of him again. How noble. <laughs> All right. Um, also, we're introduced to uh, some of the Emperor's aides, I guess. Eh. Um, he goes off to his death. Looking all dignified and stuff. Yeah. Years later, the Ashikaga purchased the site of the ski and constructed the Temple of the Golden Pavilion. History. Thank you. Uh, Tokiyuki and company ride off on their escape. But as they go, Mima runs into them in the street. She calls out to them. Uh, and as the, and they, Tokiyuki pauses and he says, I'm sorry for not saying goodbye, but... I enjoyed my time with you and Kyo. And Mima says, but we'll meet again, right? And Tokiki turns to her, and there are just tears streaming down his face. And he lowers his head and says, someday, perhaps. And he rides off, and he's just thinking to himself, I'm just so frustrated. I was humiliated in that confrontation. I was completely powerless. I want to bring him down, so I must get stronger. So nice little, you know, hey, we didn't forget about Mima, but he is, she is not Tokiki's priority in this moment. He's just thinking about the really, really big problem that they're facing. So and uh, so they all get away from Kyo. Uh, Tokiki and the boys catch their breath after having gotten away. Gim was like, that was scary. Uh, and Fubuki uh, is upset because, you know, his plan failed. Uh, he doesn't know how to defeat this guy. But Kojiro basically gets them all back on their feet. He shoves some rife. Rice and Fubuki attempt through the city into chaos. Your plan was a success from the beginning. And yeah, we're young. Of course, we lost a direct fight. But warriors don't let a loss get them down. Unless, you know, they get their arm chopped off or something. Anyway, yeah, someday we'll present the young lord with Takachi's. It, it would look... I, Warriors don't let a loss get the doubt, except for a loss of blood, limb, um, food? Don't like it when I lose food. I hate that. Yeah. Anyway, he's kicking people around <laughs> and getting them back on their feet. And Tokyuki just thinks to himself, I'm really glad that, to that Kojiro's here. Uh, and then we just get a little bit of a really quick sequence where they meet up again with Yasuye and Ayako and Shizuku. Um, and they reflect on the time that they had in Kyo, how they had good times and, of course, bad times and learned a lot. Uh, they make it again through uh, the security checkpoint because Yasuye just goes, I got fired! And they're allowed to pass through, so that worked. And 
then they once again reach uh, Yoshige, uh, Yoshige's uh, domain and he says to them after you've experienced Kyo you now wear the mien of a fierce warrior mien that's a great word uh, and he says that he has prepared soldiers and he takes Tokiki's hands and says the time is ripe let us begin the battle to reclaim your throne so we end the arc on a negative note, really. Like, they lost and just had to fucking run away. And it wasn't even a triumphant running away. They were just like, well, shit, that failed. Let's leave. Yeah, we got our shit handed to us. Let's go home, guys. <laughs> Let's pack got it in. A, got another battle to prepare for. Let's go. Okay. So. Good chapter. Yep. I like it. Uh, let's move on very, very quickly because we are running very tight on time over to Black Clover, page 329, the King of Devils and the Boys of No Magic. Uh, Lucifero? Is that his name? Or is that the last one? Lucifero yep. is the bad guy. Okay. Uh, he's just like, this cannot yep. be. I am Lucifero. He says it right there. I'm dumb. He's like, I am the strongest. I rule. No one can beat me. How did these two? I'm work? so awesome. <laughs> and he just screams, I cannot possibly lose to you. The very sound of his voice sends them to the ground. They're like, holy shit. We did all of that, and he's still not dead? And uh, Sabretooth is just like, oh, I can't cloak us in enough anti-magic to cancel out his gravity, you know? And he's just like, how dare you look down on me for even a moment? Half of my power is still in the underworld. I'm not even at full strength. Oh, you're <laughs> helpless now. I'm going to crush you in the end. No one is, is stands before me. I am the strongest. You are motes of dust. I don't have my good controller. If I had my pro gamer controller, I would have totally beaten you. I would have crushed you. <laughs> yeah, you guys, uh, your game, your, your console's a little dusty, so it doesn't run as quick. Uh, so the frames were off. That's why I lost. Uh, he looks forward and he sees a black orb. And whoop, what should you know? But... Uh, you know, and not you know, Yami and Nature Boy Fire show up, and he's like, "You should be dead," and they're like, "Here and now will surpass our limits," and I like that they are both still impaled with Lucifero's arms. <laughs> right, because has to cut them off, so they're just still stuck in there. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. And he's like, struggle all you like. You have no way to attack. That boy can't even stand. And then Asta is standing. He's like, what is this? What are you? And Asta's prepared to kill him. And he's like, no, I'm going to run away. I'll kill you later. I'm flying I'll have away. my, I'll have my good controller next time. <laughs> and he's like, next time I'll kill you. Next time I swear. And he sees stars, one right above Asta and one right next to him. And Asta teleports in, and you know from where he is, just says, there is no next time, right, Asta? And Asta fucking cuts this guy in half, cuts another one of his fucking horns off. Ah! A horn! Why has everyone shot me in the horn? Well, how do they know that's the dick of demons? It hurts so much. It hurts our testicles. And uh, I can't remember it's the demon's name, Astrodemica or whatever. It's just like, brilliant, victory is yours. Because it seems, Nick, finally, after months, it seems Lucifero is finally defeated. Yeah, and let's keep in mind that, oh yeah, Lucifero only showed up at the end of a really long fight, too. Yeah. <laughs> a a, a, a Dramalek. A drama like that, something like that, yeah. 
And this is where some German pops in and is just like, und actually, it's a Drumelech. And then I have to come in. I'm like, how about it's Andromeda? And then I'm just like, uh, Power Rangers Lost in Space or whatever. And then I forget why I call this character Power Rangers Lost in Space. But I do. And then someone's like, that's not Power Rangers Lost in Space. That was Power Rangers fucking Galaxy or whatever. And they're like, Power Rangers Lost in Space isn't even a thing. And I'm like, fuck you. Now I'm just calling call them Dorkzilla. And I forget why I'm doing that. So... I'm just saying, guys, I'm seven <laughs> steps ahead of you. <laughs> you can't beat me on this. <laughs> uh, there you go, everyone. Left a question. Is Chris playing 7D chess, or did she just forget <laughs> seven details in a row and have to correct everything? Did <laughs> <laughs> they remember... What season the Power Rangers Andromeda was on? And I'm like, I'm not even sure if that was her name, to be completely honest. It was Astronema. Damn. <laughs> it's so close, though. <laughs> or that, is that the checkmate that I want you to think? Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. I've cornered you. <laughs> Playing space chess. I don't even know why. Okay, so we'll just call that character Titus Andromeda, I guess, from now on. <laughs> And I'm like, why do I call them that? <laughs> oh, God. All right. Let's <laughs> up with one piece. Set sail with one piece. Hey, real quick. R.I.P. to Gilbert Gottfried. The greatest gift. That's that right. That was the one piece rap. I, I listened to Don't it. Don't like give it up, times. Luffy. <laughs> oh, man. It's great. You got you to gotta treat yourselves to it. R.I.P. I... It is such a weird thing to me that, of course, Gilbert Gottfried, who had a career that touched uh, insurance commercials to uh, really, really not safe for work jokes at comedy roasts to kids cartoon voice acting like that. Such a wide breadth of entertainment that he provided. And in all of that, one of the last really widely watched things that people are going to remember him by is it reciting the one piece rap? <laughs> like, what a what a world! What a world! Uh, yeah. Like a lady, Nami's not shy. Like, well, I guess in his mind, he didn't read that you're supposed to spell out lady, but that's fine. <laughs> Sanji cooks chopper doctoring. Gayo, yeah, yo. oh, it's so fucking good. I love it. Yeah, yo, yeah, yo. <laughs> Chapter one thousand forty six of One Piece is Rizo. What? Well, we'll get to it. Luffy is fighting with Kaido still. He's still in gear five and knocking Kaido every which way, being ridiculous in every last form. Luffy is just like, hey, what do you think of that last thing I did? What should I call it? Gum gum something? (laughs) Gum gum face rip. Yeah. (laughs) Some cool shit like that. So Kaido staggers to his feet. He's like, I have one question. Who are you? Like, he only just now cares. Yeah. Uh, so, Zunesha clarifies, I guess, what he said before. He's like, no, no, no. Luffy's not, not Joy Boy. It's just, I haven't heard this rhythm since Joy Boy. Oh, Joy Boy. It's as though you're right there. My heart is dancing. I cannot help but feel fate is at work. 
I cannot help but put my hopes in him. Thanks, giant elephant, for believing in Luffy. Yay. Uh, Luffy, of course, however, gives his very proper introduction. He's Monkey D. Luffy, and he says, I'm going to be the, the one to surpass you and become king of the pirates. Hell yeah. Do you ever uh, think, and I don't know why this came to me, based off the way this series goes, have you ever wondered if the D is special because if you turn it on its side, it's a big smile. It might <laughs> actually be what the will of D is at this point. That would not surprise me in the slightest. Like at this point, after this like Joy Boy reveal, like I really have reached a point. I was like, I feel like everything in One Piece, every big mystery is a gigantic joke. Entirely possible. And hey, we've I'm seen... here for it. We've seen an eight turn on its side to become an infinity treated as if it's the most, you know, serious thing in the world. So why not a, a, a smiley face D? Why not? So uh, Kaido says, I'm relieved to hear you've still got sass because he's a grandpa. Like, <laughs> what a weird thing to say. Um, And uh, Kaido's like, you know, I've I, I, I've lost a lot in this fight that I've built up over the years. My followers, my castle. Same for you, right? But Luffy just says, but there's still something I got to take back from you. And he starts to say what it is, but Kaido hits him in the face with his club a bunch. So instead, Luffy goes, <laughs> which really made me laugh when I saw it. Because <laughs> he's having this big, serious moment. And he just goes, <laughs> So uh, he responds with punches and just like before they make freaking impact fears come out of Kaido's body uh, and then they both get knocked away from each other and kind of recover a bit. Kaido points out, oh yeah, stuff is burning up underneath us. Everyone trapped in the castle is going to burn to death. But Luffy says, nah, I left everyone else in charge down there. All I have to do is beat you. And for some fucking reason... That's not the note we leave them on. It's Kaido launching a blast of pressure from his club and Luffy grabbing his crotch and lifting his body up to Whoops. top. <laughs> and that's when we cut away. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Stuff is on fire. People reacting to the stuff being on fire. Chopper and Nami reiterate the stuff is on fire and people are injured and in danger. Uh, uh, there are people who are trying to put out the fire. Law's crew are carrying Beppo around. Robin and, and Brooke are like, shit, there's no way to escape. Everything's on fire. Uh, there is, however, a very brief moment where people come across Brooke and they're like, oh, my God, he burned up. And he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, Sanji can't get out. Stuff's on fire. Like the, some of these could have been skipped. Like, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, it does. It does add to the weight that all these characters are like, holy shit, I we can't get out of here. We're all trapped. Um, uh, I don't know if I needed to see fucking Apu. <laughs> like, that's one character I'm like, yeah. Shit. yeah. Uh, and Usopp, you know, he tries to use some of his green star stuff to just like spray out water that way. It's really not. It's really not working. And also, there's a moment where he has a little talk with. It's Hamlet, right? I think it is the giraffe guy. Anyway, sure. <laughs> yeah, he has this moment like I've got to save Kin and Kiku, and I want to save myself. And he's like, "You got, you got to include me there too, right? Save me. I, I'm carrying them. Come on." Yeah. Uh, and uh, Frankie's carrying around Zoro. Anyway, Rizo and 
Jimbei are going to do something. And so Raizo says, I am putting my faith in you. I've been prepared for this ever since that fateful day. Um, when stuff was on fire and uh, Monosuke and Hiyori were in danger back when, you know, Toki was being killed and stuff. Anyway, he says, I pr- failed to protect Lord Owen that day. Despite my ninjutsu, I failed to protect anyone. I utterly shamed myself. You're pretty great, Raizo. Yeah. <laughs> but then we get a very, very, very brief explanation that he learned a technique while he was on Zo. And so he learned this special rain technique. And so he summons the elephant's bath ninja restoration and launches a huge wave of water at Jimbei, who fucking grabs it and judo throws it. It is an immensely cool moment. Oh, man. What a cool moment for Jimbei. <laughs> for Jimbei. Jimbei, really, like, I want people to know. If there is, a, I don't get One Piece my MVP this week, but if I did, it would have been to Jimbei. <laughs> it's like, oh man, look at Raizo, the title character set up. He, he does the layup so that Jimbei can do the dunk. Like, that's what happens. I'm so You're almost glad he literally. got to make Jimbei look cool. Uh, yeah, so Jimbei twists the water around and just sends it slamming through different corridors. Huge waves of water streak out to help put out the fire. Yay, isn't that nice? Uh, also, we see Killer very briefly, I guess. And water shows up and saves Killer and the people who are carrying it. Thank you. Okay. I mean, it's good, you know. It's better than a poo. So... Uh, Yamato and Momonosuke, meanwhile, are reacting to stuff going on, uh, and and Yamato is commanding, like, hey, you gotta hurry, Momonosuke. And Momono says, why? Kaido's still alive. But Yamato clear, is like, this can't hold. The flame clouds aren't going to last. You have to make flame clouds to keep Onigashima lost. It's always been the only solution. By the way, while he is saying this, he has grabbed Momonosuke by the mustache and is yanking him. It's like, listen to me. (laughs) I'm perched on your back. (laughs) And he says, Onigashima is going to fall. But by the way, while he says that, Luffy has only just grabbed a freaking bolt of lightning from the sky. (laughs) Because he can do literally anything now. Yeah, it's cartoon logic. You can grab a lightning bolt and throw it at people. He's one step away from like, hold, like put grabbing an anvil, putting it in the air above Kaido, moving his hand away, and it hovers there. And then he taps Kaido on the shoulder, and then tells <laughs> Kaido like points upward. And then once Kaido looks up, his eyes will bug out, but he'll like run in place until the anvil falls and crushes him. <laughs> He'll have like seven seconds where he's running in yeah. place. <laughs> and then Luffy's going to be like, I call that one gum gum anvil drop. And they're like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love it. Oh, man. All right. That is going to wrap things up for weekly Mongeria cap, guys. Favorite chapter and MVP. Let's hit it. I'm going to give my favorite chapter this week to PPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPPP
uh, and her like fall into despair. And then the hope that it gave me like, okay, this character is, is going to get out of this. I, I, it really resonated with me. As I said, I really like lucky and Furusu talking, uh, just a solid chapter. And if I was able to, I probably would give it to goodbye Aerie because that chapter really did have a lot, but he said, it's not a fucking series of the week. It's chapter of the week. That's so, right. Man. Yeah. Uh, I am going to give mine to Akane Banashi once again. It was really fucking good. Like I, I, we went over all the reasons it was really good, uh, and I could, you know, honestly, there are like three different things that alone would have probably given it uh, that for me. So you know, there was like a long running. Uh, there was a a betting pool in our Discord for how long it was going to take before we'd have a week where neither of us picked a Connie Banashi for either chapter of the week or MVP. Keep on waiting. Well, it, it, we broke it last week, so, oh, okay. so unfortunately, the streak is over. But let's see, maybe right. we start a new one. Uh, my MVP is going to be Rip. I was so fucking excited for him to come back huh. and on Dead Unlock. Like, I was just, I, like, I legitimately had, like, a hype moment when it happened. I was like, fuck yeah, Rip! I don't know why. I'm a sucker for, like, just easygoing, cool moments like that. And it, 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 it suckered me, and I, I enjoy that series a lot, so a beloved character showing back up was very cool to me. Uh, and my character of the week is going to be Uji because he was super cool and he beat two villains yeah. without even honestly, trying. Honestly, uh, you know, in terms of worst. accomplishments this <laughs> week, like, I mean, you know, I, I'm actually going I am actually going to give mine to Lucifero. <laughs> OK, for all the reasons you don't want to be an MVP, which was it was really satisfying to see you look like a pathetic whiny loser. Oh, I'm going to kill you. Oh, no, you're still alive. I'm going to run away. I'm going to get you next time. Oh, no. Like, that is an immensely cool sequence. That I do have to give props to Black Clover for that. That sequence is fucking awesome. I don't know if I've ever given an MVP for looking the most pathetic before but holy I'm, shit did he look really pathetic? i think we might have given it to peter ratchby that one week so maybe maybe <laughs> lvp um the audience by the way picked akane banasha they agreed with you as chapter of the week and melia duel from Mastral magic and muscles won the character of the week which i can absolutely see but this was also a week where there were a ton of votes so dobby from my hero chinasu from blue box akane from akane banashi uh, characters from everywhere. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of different, like, notable character moments that that happened this week. Like, honestly, looking back on everything, I don't think there was actually like a single bad chapter this week in terms of standalone. It, I think Doran Doran is just bad in terms of <laughs> okay, well, I guess all that's out the window now. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's it. So. I had a really good time reading stuff for this week. And uh, yeah, a lot of stuff to look forward to next week as well, including the return of a particular series. But we'll get to that next time, guys. All right, that's it. Yeah. Uh, favorite favorites have all been wrapped up and stuff guys thank you for tuning in to weekly mug recap here on twitch.tv slash we record the show Wednesdays usually starting around 730 eastern time but sometimes Nick's computer doesn't want to cooperate so to stay updated on, ex on exactly when we are going live with the stream stay tuned to our twitter accounts at RelloT at NickFTime at WMR podcast and join us on the WMR discord server participate in all sorts of fun chats with our other other listeners 
talk about the recap series. Talk about the series that we are taking as a recommendation. Make your own recommendations using the Google Doc that is maintained by Ninja X3i, which also keeps track of MVP voting and other wonderfully helpful statistics about the show, which has been going on for so long. There is no way that we would remember all of them <laughs> unless it was all written down at this point. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Who, thank you to everyone who supports us on patreon.com slash weekly recap, where you can check out stuff like monthly other recap and bonus episodes that we can make with your guys' helpful support. And thank you to the people who help make the video sides of the show what it is. Milo Jack Stilts and Wizzledale Cheddar for creating the opening sequence of the video version of Weekly Manga Recap, which you can see on youtube.com slash weekly manga recap. And Steve Mann, whose title card artwork you can see on some of those re- uh, recommended series that we do. You can check out his work wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet, including his own Twitter channel, Twitter channel, Twitter account, twitter.com slash Steve Mann Art. They're channels now, obviously. Yes, all of them. Well, I guess everyone's got that like Hangouts thing, so maybe, I don't know. Uh, and uh, thank you, everyone who listens to the show wherever you listen to it, because it's not just available in video form and via streaming. You can also listen to it in audio form at weeklymagarecap.podbean.com, as well as on iTunes and Spotify and basically anywhere podcasts can be listened to. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it, I think. Let's get on yeah. out of here, Nick. All right. See you, losers. We're out of here. Yeah, I'm already gone. Like, you know, yeah. can't you tell? You can't see me, so can't I'm, I'm gone him. now. Yeah. That's just logic. <laughs>